Hello, everyone. Another day, another bite of business antics. I am Maya, your host. In today's episode, you may have noticed we have a very beautiful podcast title, Butterfly Tale, because we have a special guest who is an alumnus from the Masters in Business Analytics program at Imperial College Business School, Vanessa Imodi. Vanessa is currently working as a data scientist in product analytics at Meta. She completed her bachelor's degree in economics at Northeastern University in the States. After graduation, she worked as business intelligence analyst across different functions such as web analytics, logistics, and payments at Wayfair. For three years, then moved to the UK. She will share with us about her career experience across different roles and countries. Let's listen in to find out more. Hey, Vanessa, thank you so much for being here and welcome to our podcast. As a, our tradition, we're going to ask you two questions as a warm up for the uh, podcast episode. And the first one will always be if you could share statistics with the world, what would it be? If I could share statistics with the world. So I thought about this. I think like the one that I thought would be interesting, I don't know if people are aware of this, is that so Africa has the highest the highest share of like twin births. So when we look at just like the number of births every year and then the share that is like twins. Um and when you look specifically at like African Asia, they make up 80% of all twins that were born in the past couple of years. I thought that's pretty cool. Um And especially because like with African countries specifically, like they have twin births because it's like a natural thing. Um, whereas what you see in, let's say like Western countries, so looking more in like Europe and in the Americas, um, we actually start to see like they're having more twin births compared to before. However, this mm-hmm. is just more due to like medical advancement and not necessarily because like it's a natural hereditary thing. So I'm like, that's pretty cool that like in Africa, yeah. like it's something that happens naturally. Um, and they do make up like a large share of like twins in the world. Thank you for sharing. So in terms of our question number two, uh, it would be around uh, yourself. It, if you have a book written about yourself, what title would you name it? So I used to have a blog, um, oh. a personal blog, and I called it Butterfly Tales. Um, so I would name a book about myself, Butterfly Tales, I think. Um, the reason being that, because Vanessa means butterfly, And so like in whatever I do, I always just like, oh, Vanessa means butterfly. So I kind of like associate with mm. the butterfly. And so like butterfly tales would just be like, here's everything you need to know about Vanessa. Um, and, like, and I would want a book about myself to cover like different aspects. So like my personal life, my professional yeah. life, career, like, and so I think just calling like butterfly tales, it's very like generic or general. Yeah. But, so it would be like here's the full overview of like who Vanessa is and what oh, she's about. Oh, that's a very yeah, cute name. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> it, I understand it's a personal blog, but do you have it like publicly or it's just um, your own? Yes. Yeah, so not anymore. Oh. Um, yeah. Not anymore. I do have another, another blog. I have a food blog. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, but then not a personal blog anymore. But yes. Yeah, please do share uh, your blog with us so we could share with our listeners as well. And uh, yeah, yeah, again, it's a very, very beautiful and, and cute name for your book. And uh, today <laughs> we're going to name our podcast the uh, Butterfly Tales as our mini, uh, like sort of like mini version of your book. Uh, so <laughs> our listeners, 
please watch out for the book because um, who knows, you know, one day. Maybe it'll come out in the next couple yeah, of years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I'll be like, it's my honor to have a, a mini version of it <laughs> um, recording, recorded it here. Um, so, so yes, that's brilliant. Thank you so much. And um, so, yeah, I think uh, we can um, get started now. Um, please, could you tell our listeners a bit about yourself, your current role and uh, a little bit about your previous experience as well? That would be great. Yeah, so uh, my name is Vanessa. If you didn't already know, just like introductions. So my name is Vanessa Amodi. Um, I am originally from Nigeria. I was born and raised there. Um, and I moved to the U.S. like a couple of years ago, a long time ago. Um, I did go to the U.S. for my undergrad. Um, I went to school in Boston in Northeastern University, and I got my, my undergrad from there in economics. Um, I lived in Boston for about eight years. After school, I started working. I got my first job like after uni. I worked there for about two years. Um, then I moved to Berlin. I did an internal like transfer to work. I lived in Berlin for two years. Um, and then I moved to London back in 2020 during the pandemic. Um, I did my master's at Imperial um, in analytics. And I am currently working at Meta as a data scientist, specifically in like the commerce ads organization or department. What else? Anything else I should say? <laughs> yeah, it's like, yeah, so that's who I am. And like, I guess what I do, I can go into details about like my role yeah. at Meta. So okay. sure. yeah. I have lots of questions for you. <laughs> I'm sure that our <laughs> listeners would love to hear more about your experience because when I look at your profile and, and really interested to know more about your experience uh, working in, you know, internationally and in different yeah. roles as well. Um, so could you tell me more about your current team at Meta? What do you do and perhaps uh, walk us through your day to day? Yeah, so... I guess like the summary of what like a uh, data scientist, so like I'm a, okay, so to specify, I'm a product analytics data scientist at Meta. Um, a summary of what we do is like, our role is basically to help the different product teams make data-driven decisions, which involves things like, what is the strategy of the product? Um, do you get like, what do we build? Who do we build for? Uh, to get like, how do we measure success of the things that we build and how do we just make sure that we're constantly improving the product. And so from my end, my role is to kind of like provide the team with the data points that they need to make the right decisions. Um, my day-to-day, -day, so I don't, I, I wouldn't say that I have like a specific, like a fixed day-to-day. -day. Um, it really just depends. I think if, if I use today as an example, I didn't have that many meetings, which was I'll say great um so because <laughs> then you do have what to call like some focus time but really like a day-to-day -day, you know involves either like you're following up on a thing or, like on a project that you're working on you're having meetings aligning with different stakeholders different uh functions and also just kind of like yeah I would say like doing data investigation so today actually if I if I look into today um, I didn't have that many meetings so what I was able to do is I had a couple of like ad hoc data requests from engineers to kind of like help them unblock what they were building. It's like, oh, I'm trying to build X, Y, Z. Can you give me a sizing of how many people are impacted? So I had a couple of asks from the engineers on my team that I helped them with. And then I made some progress on like a larger like, like analysis that I was working on for the team. It's like you have the time to just like zone out, work, you know, in SQL, Python, you know, like 
and get yeah. some answers for your analysis. And then I had like, I guess I had a couple of meetings with like my manager, just kind of like, here's a sink of like, do you get like what I've done this week? And do you get what's like, here's what I need help with. And that was my day. So really depends. And some of the days you might be in meetings the whole day, like aligning with like multiple different teams. Yeah. And that would be your whole day. So it's very, it's very varied, I would say. That's good in a sense because it's not repetitive every yeah, day. Yes, so exactly. it's, it's kind of dynamic. Uh, so you have some time for to do your own work and sometimes to have meeting with your colleagues as well. Do you have like a, a number of like how many teams do you work with? When you mentioned like multiple teams, I imagine you need to liaise and you know just manage um, different stakeholders. So yeah. yeah. So the way that um, the org is structured is. So like I'm a data scientist and so I belong to a data science team. Yeah. So I have a DS manager and I also have like my colleagues who are together who are also data scientists. And then I also belong to a product team. A product could be like Instagram stories, for example, or Instagram reels. And that would have like a product manager who's the one that like owns the strategy for the team. Mm. You have like design people who work on like how a product should look or, or what's the user experience. You have engineers. And so I have meetings with like the other data scientists more on the like day-to-day stuff and like asking for help, like, oh, how do you know, like, you get like, what's your POV on, on, on what I'm working on? With my product team, it's like, we're all working on the same product and we need to make sure that it's successful. So you would have multiple meetings with either with engineers or with just your PM. Um, and then you also have like additional product teams that you might be working with um because your products are related or they kind of like touch each other and you want to make sure that like they're building x and building y and both things are aligned or let's say you needed to unblock something in your product and you need another team to help you out there so then you need to like align with them as well so that's that's kind of like yes uh, yes so that's kind of how it works and kind of like the people that we work with and collaborate with regularly but yeah there's a lot of alignments in. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot of alignment, definitely. <laughs> Make sure that we all work on the same pace and never like cross each other. So, in terms of the deadline for your tasks and also like the the team goals as well, how do you set that um, so you can have something to work towards? Um, you know, specific date or a, a specific goals. I would say like deadlines depend on the urgency of the ask. Mm. Um, with the, so like with a lot of product teams, for example, you have a roadmap at the beginning of the year, at the beginning of the quarter. It's like, here's what we want to do. You get uh, uh, like, here's a like success metric that we're going to track at. Um, and so at the beginning of the quarter, like you have an idea of like, okay, here's the, the themes that I need to launch. And then mm. it's up to you to like manage your time and set expectations of like, okay, I have to do three things before March. Like, here's how I'm going to space them out. Also bearing in mind that like, you can have like X, Y, Z to do at the beginning of the year, but then throughout the three months, you have a bunch of like things that come up. And yeah. so you need to fit them in. And so it's like, you need to, but I, but I would say like, it's really up to us to like manage our time and set expectations. And like, I can get this done by the end of the week versus this is going to take me three weeks. Let's do an MVP version and the first year. Yeah. So just being able to manage expectations with people, I would say. That's great because everyone can collaborate and communicate with each other and, and really like, you know, just be transparent of like what we are working on yeah. and anything that's blockers. And, and yeah, that's really nice. 
And do you work, um, I understand like, you know, as in like you work with data a lot, but then do you specifically have sort of like a one big project or, and then you will use a specific data set for that project or it will be dependent on the question or like, you know, it, it gets evolved over time. Um, and then the data set that you use to, as part of your um, analysis will change um, as well, according to like how the scope evolves. So yeah. I'm very uh, curious to know. Um, I would say that like the majority of the time we spend on analysis is on, on just the data cleaning and getting the right data. <laughs> I think everyone's saying so it's not. It's very unlikely that you would just have like one data set. Yeah. Um, I'm sure like in other companies, it's the same where like you have one data set that might have, let's say, you know, people who like Instagram. And then you have another one that's like, okay, here are the demographics of these people. Then you have another one that is, you know, like yeah. that's when they join Instagram and you need to be able to mix everything together. Um, I would say you spend most of your time trying to put like the actual, like to get like aggregated table or version of what you need for to get for yeah. analysis that has all the different parts. It's never in one source. <laughs> So you can be doing something and you're working with like 10 different tables. I see. So what type of data do you usually deal with? Is it like a, the, the data about the product, about the users, or what sort of data do you normally work with? Uh, I mean, so it would depend on what product you're working on. Mm-hmm. I So if you work on uh, like user-facing product, you probably work primarily with like user, like, like actual like user data. I work on the ad side and Facebook's um, like to get like customer base for ads is like businesses. So we're working primarily with like advertiser level data. Um, But yeah, it depends. It would just depend on like what type of product it is and what are the questions that you're trying to answer. But yeah. Ah, And um, what sort of technical skills or like programming skills are you using daily to analyze the data? Day to day, I use SQL like 99% of the time. That's me. I think there are other data scientists that probably use a little bit of Python and R, but I would say that like majority, I, I, I want to say like 80% of like your work is done with SQL. And I think you'd find out and a lot of companies where it's just kind of like the way that we store data, we store data in databases, and that's the easiest way to get that information. You can go from like SQL to Python where you've done yeah. some level of work and then you're just doing like further analysis with Python or R. Um, personally, like I have very limited expertise, <laughs> Python and R. Um, so I just use SQL and Excel. We actually do, yeah, so we do a lot of Excel, which is interesting. Which for you, because I think like also sometimes, like if you have a quick ask, it's easy to just do it in Excel and then trying to like go in Python and like get everything done. So I would say SQL is definitely the number one yeah. skill that you need. You need some level of like Excel basic expert, like, you know, being able to like pivot tables, charts, like, and then having Python and R, I think are nice to have, like at least at Meta. I think that in other companies, this would depend where you might use them more heavily than others. But at least for me, I haven't had to use them too much in my career, so. Oh, that's surprising for me to hear because I always thought that, you know, Python and R are like definitely required for any sort of like data scientist or 
data, at least like data analyst role. And, and it's really surprising to hear that like SQL, it's um, it's also a part of that. I knew that like uh, at university, we also, we covered everything like from R, from Python, from SQL. Uh, but it's really uh, nice to hear that in actually like, you know, in the field, um, it's not always um, that we will be using Python and R, but we yeah. use a lot of SQL as well. So yeah, that's really... So you mentioned earlier that, you know, most of the time you'll be cleaning data. And then if you were to use SQL, then what sort of um, challenges or like issues you, you normally face when you use SQL to, um, to clean data or yeah. like get data? So I think the challenge is just kind of like, like, I don't know any company that would tell you that they have perfect data um, <laughs> and that... <laughs> And I think it's really hard to, uh, to hard. and so it's like it's more of a case of you might be working with different tables that have let's say like different levels of get of, of granularity. So you need to make sure that if you're joining table A and table X, like you're still getting the same information that you actually need. And I, I would and or it's also or it could be a case of like you're working with a table that you're not sure who owns it. Yeah, you're doing guesswork and like, okay, I think this is how it's supposed to work. Mm. How best do I join this back to my table? And so it's really just, I was, I'm not like trial and error, but um, with SQL, I think it's a to get like what you end up doing with SQL is you're aggregating multiple to get like data sources, trying to get to the final level that allows you to answer the questions that you need. And so it could be that the data, let's say, only you get, you get, okay, it's possible that in the table, let's say it's daily, but then you don't need it to be daily. You need to have like a row per advertiser and have the daily data as like columns instead. And so you need to be able to kind of like manipulate that data mm. to actually fit what you need, like to get what you need for your analysis. So, yeah, I think that's how we do like the work in SQL, like in doing, we get like data cleaning with SQL. But I would say the core is just like, you need to join different data sources. They don't always have like a one-to-one join. Oh. You need to figure out yeah. like, okay, this is not a one-to-one. How do I make it work for myself and get the right level of granularity that I need? I, to be honest, I'm terrified of joining multiple table, table and uh, <laughs> doing data calculation on on multiple. It's like complex uh, complex SQL queries could be very very complicated. Yeah, <laughs> I, like I'd say that like also at Imperial, like we did do a like a class that had SQL. Yeah. Um, but like it's not the same as having to do SQL in your day to day because in school they give you let's say like here's a table of books and here's a table of people that have read the yeah. books. It's very, you know, like it's very easy. Yeah. Whereas like in your actual, you get like real life job, that's not how it's going to be. Yeah. And so it's a lot more like you can be working with like 10 to 20 tables at a time um, that has data that goes back years or, so, you know, so it's like, yeah. yeah, it's a completely different thing. I think with SQL, like the way to learn SQL is just really by doing it. Like, yeah. Yeah, like I didn't have any SQL experience before I started working, like my first job at Wayfair. I did like a very basic SQL uh, course online, but it wasn't like it wasn't anything compared to what I had to do in, uh, like at work. But I just feel like over time, like I was doing it every day, I do it every day. So that's how you like you kind of like grow your expertise in that, I would say. 
That's great to hear because I actually, um, I, I understand that you did a, a degree in economics and later on you um, you, you joined Wayfair as a data analyst and it's like a different in terms of like economics, a degree wouldn't cover like SQL or yeah, no. anything <laughs> to do with data analysts. So when I was looking into your profile, I was like, oh, how, you know, how, how did I make that job? Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. What was the experience? And 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 yeah, now that you brought it up and, and maybe later I will ask you even more questions about uh, your experience at the time. Time because from Imperial College London to Meta, you sort of like have experience uh, doing the degree in business analytics and also some industry experience as well. Yeah. But like from your bachelor degree to uh, your first role as data analyst um, at Wayfair is completely different uh, between your degree and your your job later on. But yeah, we'll come to that in the next um, section as well. Yeah. Um, so how has your role evolved over time um, since where, when you started until now? So I've been on the same team, well, kind of. Um, so there's there's one like large product team yeah. and then, then there are sub teams within that product team. So I've been on the same like larger product team, but I've switched to like sub teams since I've joined. The actual like role doesn't change, I would say. But I think that um, the level of responsibility has changed. It has grown a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's good. Yeah, it's good. So the level of responsibility, I would say, has changed. There's more visibility. There's more like cross-functional like partnerships and collaboration. So I'm having to work with more teams in this like team that I'm on to get compared to my previous team. So my role hasn't changed. I think it's just kind of like there's more like the expectations are higher. Uh, now and so you have to you have to be very much on top of things yeah uh, and it's more responsibility which is good but it's also an opportunity to like have more impact because you have more things to actually like influence but yeah yeah exactly uh, I guess more pressure uh, but at the same time yeah sorry, yeah <laughs> <laughs> more pressure but also it's like it's pressure but then it has good results and yeah, the good results are exactly. uh, so, yeah what aspect of your role have you been enjoy the most? Uh, oh, whatever. <laughs> let me see. Let me think. Um, so I've always enjoyed like being able to write SQL code. Like I think since I started working as a, as an analyst, like I enjoyed that. Like you can take just very basic data, like user X to get liked this picture. I like that you can take very basic data and transform it into like actionable insights you know that to me is one of the most like enjoyable parts of what I do as a data analyst other than that I think just so one thing that I did not necessarily love was like communication presenting you know and I would say that that is something like I've had to do a lot since joining Meta and it's like you're doing you get like what you don't love but in the end it's good because you're growing yeah and so it's like I'm learning, you know, I'm getting better at things. <laughs> it's like getting yourself out of your comfort zone. Exactly. And, uh, yeah. You kind of like have um, your role in involves like combination of like technical, but also a lot of manage stakeholder management as well. Yeah. And, yeah. and I think um, what's called like one more thing I would say is just like, like I like being able to see the impact of what I do. Yeah. Uh, I wait there. I worked on like the website worked on the website and so it's like you'd make a change you'd you do a test you'd make a change you go on the website the next day it's there you can see like 
the yeah. outcome of your work. Similarly, here we're working with like actual users, uh, yeah. people that are using our product, and it's able to see like, oh, we found that you know we need to change this user experience because it makes it easier for people to actually go through the flow. And then you go like you get like you can see like you change something, you see how the numbers start to grow, like you see the impact of what you do. And I think that's like it's one of the best things I think of working with data in general. That's the role that we do. So that I really enjoy as well. That's great. So, um, so for example, when you identify that this user experience can be improved, then uh, will you implement it as soon as possible? Or is there like a, a certain process that you need to go through in order yeah. to implement the change? And I understand that we we also need to do some testing as well to make sure that it's not. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, yeah. So on the data side, you can highlight, let's say like that, you know, people are dropping off at this stage of, yeah. the, of the flow. We need to make an improvement. It's then a case of you have like you get like user research needs to go and actually speak to like users and try to understand like what are the pain points there, mm -hmm. how can we improve it. You have people that work on design who try to redesign the actual experience. Oh, then yeah. you have to do a test. You're not just gonna change the experience without actually validating yeah. that you know it works. So you're gonna do like a test, look at the results, and then make a decision and like okay, we're actually going to. Um, change the actual like the the, the 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 actual user experience for everyone um so it depends on i would say like the time that it takes it really depends on how long that like mm. i guess that product cycle takes um but yeah it can be it can be quick yeah possibly works um because <laughs> depending on where you work uh you can have there are a lot more challenges that you might like so i would say yeah. one thing that matters like we have a lot of like legal you get like reviews that we have to do and yeah. so that also you have to pack that into the time and kind of like changing things because it's such a big product do you want to make sure that you're doing things legally exactly. correctly and then, the, yeah. Yeah. and then the number of users that you are going number to and changes to is like yeah significant and and yeah anything that you do can make like a huge impact a huge difference like yeah. go straight into the users and also like the at the end of the day the business outcomes and yeah affect the business as well so yeah i can imagine like any change needs to be validated very carefully before it's very, yeah it's very scrutinized i would say <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah I still remember when Instagram started I think like a, a while ago when Instagram started to implement the sort of like the similar features like TikTok where you um, just come across like videos as well and and there are some mixed uh, reviews from the from the user so yeah definitely it's something can cause the headline yeah so. I think what people so it's very interesting I think that people always say like oh we don't like this but I but then like everything so I'd say that like everything that we ship or it's done is based on data. So yeah. you can like data shows something completely different. I think it's very interesting as because like we wouldn't we are not the same as in like everyone is different from um everyone else. And one one person say or one group of person say something doesn't mean that like the whole that's the that reality and like the whole, the exactly. whole population. So uh, so yeah, it's it's really interesting to um to hear about these discussion as well. Anyway, so uh, back to your Meta Live. Uh, it's you know, is there anything, something at Meta that not many people uh, are aware of that you would like to share with us? Like any fun facts about Meta? Fun facts. Yeah, do you miss um, Meta? <laughs> so we don't use emails that often. Really? Um, yeah. So we don't use emails. So Meta has a product called Workplace. Um, it's like a business 
like messaging platform. Essentially, like a day to day is like posting on Facebook, but it's like a what version of posting on Facebook? Oh, cool. <laughs> so, like, you have a feed of like these are people that you follow. You just post on your feed versus emailing people. So we don't really use emails at work. I think it's like <laughs> wow, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's like you have your Facebook page, which is your personal profile. You have yeah. your picture. You know, you can post your status on there. You yeah. know. You comment on people's posts, uh, like it's very much like using Facebook, um, but yeah. just for like work-related stuff. But yeah, it's very, very interesting, especially coming from somewhere like where like, like you, get, you only do emails, you only do emails, you always yeah. send emails. Like how everybody communicates. Exactly. Um, but like for company-wide announcements, like it's not like you're always expecting an email. They could just do a post, and like everybody sees the post. Like so that's how it. <laughs> And do you have like, you know, sort of like, if, for example, your team, do you have your own uh, group? And then, yeah, like you can, yes, you can do groups as well. We have groups, like, yes, it's, it's, it's really just like real life Facebook. Yeah, that's, that's really cool, actually. I've never, um, yeah, I, I never imagined like a workplace without email because email. it's been like the expectation that you're going to send emails um, within an People office. hardly use emails. I imagine that, like, I think people who, who, let's say, work with external clients, maybe, like, they have to use emails. But, like, I, I don't think I've sent an email. I might have sent, like, maybe, like, two or three emails <laughs> since I joined. In terms of, uh, you know, the trends in the industry right now, um, do you see any uh, any trend that you see in the industry that you are particularly interested about? Um, so I think one that I'm quite interested in is, like, using social media for search. There's been a lot of talk, I guess, of like younger, like I guess like Gen Zs, like younger generations are moving to like Instagram and TikTok to search over just going on Google. I mean, I do it sometimes. I think that there's some level of like, so if you were looking for a review on a restaurant, like it's easier to just go and see what other people have said directly on like social media versus going to Google and then going on the page like <laughs> it's easier to see like actual like user content about that uh, you know things that you're looking for and so I think I'm interested to see how that evolves and how much it grows by and I guess also just kind of like how do we differentiate between like obviously like fake content like what is legitimate yeah. mm. um, you know like and like you get like what is propaganda also like what's being pushed um, so I think that's interesting. I'm actually looking forward to see, like, because I, like, I definitely use um, Instagram, TikTok now to, like, search for things. It's like, I want to go to a restaurant, going to search, or, like, I'm traveling in a couple of weeks. I'm like, let me see what people who have gone to Portugal have yeah. done, you know? Yeah. So And it's easy to just go and search for it on, on, like, social media versus going on Google. So I'm I'm actually quite intrigued by that and see how it evolves over time. Yeah, that's actually a very, very interesting point because I've been doing that for a while now. And even my my friends as well, for example, if you go to a restaurant and then you look at the menu and there's so many words and then you just check Instagram. on Instagram to see what yeah. it looks like. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. And then like uh, you will see like how many photos people posted and then you you know that that dish is like a popular dish. And also sometimes people leave, leave comment as well. So I'm actually interested to see how it evolves and how, like, I guess how, like, social media, like Facebook, how TikTok, whatever, they're able to kind of, like, leverage this new opportunity and, like, build it further. And we'll see how, we'll see how search evolves. 
Yeah. <laughs> After graduated from your bachelor um, degree in economics, you joined Wayfair as a data analyst. And um, yeah, as I mentioned earlier, um, it's like from your degree in economics is coming to data analysts is it's very, very different. So how did you find it? Like, you know, first? It. yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, so um, I was in, yeah, so I did my, my degree in economics um, at the time. I think like I chose to do it because what I was told was that it's a very versatile degree and like you could literally do anything yeah. after having a degree in economics. <laughs> um, in uni I did. So like in my school, we got the opportunity to do like um, placements, which is uh, in the UK, they call it a placement here. I ended up doing two six month like internships where I worked full time with different companies. Wow. Um, my first company I worked at, like uh, it's a company that like scraped online price data to calculate inflation. I joined this because I was like, you know, inflation, economics, it's related. It's kind <laughs> of like what we do in our macro yeah. class. I think like, okay, this is like the right path. Yeah. Um, and then what I found was that like, I was really intrigued by the actual like, you're taking just like price data, like literally yeah. you're scraping price data and just calculated inflation statistics from this. Like, I want to know more about this like mm. actual transformation yeah. and not so much about like the actual inflation part. Like the inflation <laughs> part, I just thought was like, yeah, I mean, like I'm not that interested in it, but yeah. I'm more interested in side. Yeah. And so when it came around for my second internship, I decided to look for like data issues. Like, mm. I didn't know that this was a degree at the time. Like, I didn't know anything. I just thought, like, I want to look for a role that's, like, data, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then I got my second internship. At, I think it was, like, a data analyst role or something. Um, and then I really enjoyed that job. And I was going back to, like, my last year in uni, and I thought to myself, like, okay, like, what does this mean career-wise? Mm. Like, I like this thing that I'm doing. I'm not really sure what yeah. it is and then I googled it and I was like oh this is a whole thing you can be like in data analytics yeah and that's how I discovered it um I only had like I guess one more term or two more terms in school yeah and there wasn't anything that could change in like the course that I needed to take so I was like okay I can't really do anything before I graduate um mm. but I started looking into jobs and I said like, okay like you need to know SQL and so I just I literally I just googled like online SQL yeah. course um I had a very basic thing. Like I learned how to do like select from goodbye, like nothing complex. Yeah. Um, and that's how I got my that's how I got my first job. Um, I would say like, yes, yeah, so like I got my first job and I just learned, you know, while I was there. I think like I was lucky. Well, not lucky. I would say like at the time that I started my career, like the data space was not what it is today. And mm. so it was possible for me to get my first job with having very limited SQL knowledge. Um, but now that like, if you if you get if you're trying to get into the field, you would need to know at least like intermediate SQL, you know, because now the expectations are different, the yeah. bar is a little bit higher to get in. Um mm. so I think this for me is also just kind of like timing wise and the time I got into the industry, like it just happened that I was able to get my job um, with very limited SQL knowledge. Um, but now, you know, 
don't know. But I mean, like, that's, that's still a lot of effort um, from you as well to really coming from, like, you know, just follow your interests from, like, the first, you know, scraping data online until yeah. you, know, you just on your journey in terms of, like, figuring out what it is that you wanted to do after graduation and, and like, immediately take initiative to learn, you know, SQL, even though, you know, you, you also have um, your university um commitments and like academic commitments to graduate as well yeah. so it's still like uh I, I i would find it really impressive as in like how yeah. you navigate yourself throughout your career how did your role require further training um um i think yeah so i might if i if i remember correctly like so when i joined i mean you do a bunch of like onboarding trainings yeah. um one like it's you get you do more like broad generic like data trainings and then you have very specific like wayfair training to get familiar with the data i would say that like it's very much a case of you just build your knowledge as you go so it's like one you just build your seeking knowledge and then also you build knowledge of like how is the product working how's the strategy like how are they thinking about like the right way to make decisions and then you get like you just get familiar with it I think also because I was working, so Wayfair sells furniture online. Um, it's really just like going on Amazon, but like it's yeah. it's very much you know like I, like a nice website to be on, you know, yeah. And so for me, it was great also because you can put yourself in the consumer shoes because like mm-hmm. you do shop and you know what like high level like what you care about when you shop, and so you're able to put yourself in that space of mind. And I think that made it easier to also pick up more of the like business aspects yeah. of things that I worked on in addition to like the data side but yeah yeah were you doing the web analytics at the time um, yes yeah you it can kind of implement some of like a b testing and also analyze like a lot of uh, digital marketing concepts that I've seen from from your uh from sort of like your job uh, profile and and, and yeah, it's it's what I'm learning right now. So just wanted to ask for for your experience as well because it's a combination of like technical skills, a little bit of digital marketing analytics as well. And so, um, what was it like for you to come you know come across all of these terms? Um. So yeah, I think that like from together in school, it's very much more like technical. Like these are the terms. Like these are the things yeah. that you need to know. Whereas like. For me, it's more like you're working on the website and the goal is really to understand how users are navigating the website and how can you make it better because the ultimate goal is to get people to buy. Yeah. And so from a business perspective, you're thinking of like, okay, if you want to get people to buy, how do we make the website easy? Let's reduce the steps. Let's make it easy for them to make a decision. Like it's not, so it was, I would. I wouldn't say it was tied to like, the core of like what we learn in class but it's just more like you put yourself in the shoes and then that is kind of like your driving force of like the goal is to get people to buy on the website and so you apply that level of thinking to like the data it's like okay how can we use data to understand how to make this experience easier for users um but yeah I, I didn't have I guess I didn't have like digital marketing experience per se but I think it's something that you like you just become aware of because that's the space that you're in um and then yeah you yeah Yeah, yeah, I think that's really nice because you learned a lot on the job so much more than what you learned uh, from school and also like from even like the training as well I feel like when you start working on a project on a project then you will 
you know, just instant, like constantly upskill yourself and just like, you know, learn and, and challenge yourself and put yourself out there to uh, to expose to different things that you have never done before. So what made you to relocate to Germany in like 2018 and, and work at a senior uh, BI yeah. and uh, yeah, so in EU data uh, and analytics solutions for Wayfair? Oh, yeah. Um, I wouldn't say there was much motivation. I didn't really have a choice. Um, so uh, at the time, so I was in the U.S. on a student visa. Yeah. Um, and so I wasn't able to get my work visa spon- like, like sponsored or approved. Um, and so Wayfair offered me the opportunity to transfer to the Berlin office. And that's how I landed myself in Berlin. Um, initially, I was like, no, I don't know anyone in Germany. I don't speak German. Yeah. Like my yeah. initial thought was like, no. But then I spoke to a bunch of friends, family, and they were like, I mean, you might as well just try it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I, that's literally how I ended up in Berlin. It wasn't, it wasn't like a very like active choice on my part that I wanted to go to Germany, yeah. but it just happened that I, I had to leave the US. Um, but honestly, like it's one of the best decisions that I have made in my life. So, you know, it, like it was unfortunate at the time. But it worked out. I, I think it worked out perfectly for me. So it's <laughs> yeah. So I can kind of imagine it is, because yeah. it's really far away from, especially uh, your family and friends, and and you know it, it's not like coming out. It's came out of like our expectation that you will be moving so far away, and and so yeah. It's but I, I I'm I'm so happy that it worked out, and and <laughs> so what made you decide to move to the UK and you know like uh, come back to you know academic world again uh after a few years and uh yeah um so I think so what happened was like I've been at Wayfair for almost four years um and throughout that time like I also got to start like interviewing people Mm. um and one thing I realized was that obviously the space had changed a lot yeah um and there was a lot that I didn't know Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's like you get it's one thing to join. So like I joined Wayfair just right out of college. Like I didn't know any SQL, like I didn't have any experience with like programming, like none of that. I didn't do any like advanced machine learning classes. And so I realized that like, okay, I've been here for four years. I think it's time to just, you know, refresh my knowledge of a lot of the things that have evolved in the industry since when I first joined Wayfair. Um, and so I made the decision to go back to school um, and get my master's. Um, I ended up going to, like, she's in the UK because my sister was here and I just felt like I'd rather be, like, close to family. So that's why I specifically chose to move to the UK. Um, and that's how I ended up here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not on your last, as in, like, last stop because I knew that you did your internship in Paris as well. So. Oh, yeah. So I did it. Yeah. So I actually didn't, I, I worked remotely. Yeah. Um, oh, for a French company, um, but also this was like a part-time thing that I did while I was at Imperial. Um, I never got the chance to actually go to France. I was supposed to go to the to the office a couple of times, <laughs> but I never got the chance to actually go. Um, but it was more like it was just a part-time thing that I did during like during my master then Imperial stuff. So that's amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your experience. It's it's wonderful to see like, you know, how you take initiative and so proactive throughout your, your career. And so, um, yeah, I think another topic that I wanted to ask you about is diversity and inclusion for all the workplaces that you have been working at and also your experience at Imperial College Business School as well. Yeah. What was your experience like? 
Yeah, I mean, so I guess so starting from Imperial, when I was at Imperial, I was part of the Africa Business Club. And so that it wasn't necessarily restricted to only Africans, but it was, I would say, like majority African, but it was open to non-Africans as well. One thing that I did while I was there was the mentorship program. And the idea was we wanted to kind of like match like fellow Imperial, like master students, whatever, in our program or in the business school with with other like minority alumni, um, for them to be able to get, you know, like resources, uh, either just like to get like career help, it could be just for personal help, whatever. I think that there's always like a smaller share of like minority in a lot of schools and so or in establishments, whatever. And so for like for people like us, it's always it's 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 helpful to have other people that have gone through the same experiences as you and can relate to you to be able to give you their own like advice on how to navigate certain things. Um, it could be like you also want help from someone who's gone through like immigration and has been able to kind of like get a job in the UK yeah. but had similar immigration like challenges as you or just like you get been able to navigate your workplace as like a black person, you know, as a minority. So having that experience from somebody that, you know, is similar to you is always helpful. Um, I think at Meta, like at Meta, I'm currently part of a bunch. We have a bunch of groups, like yeah. non-work groups. Um, so there's always a push for, I, I would say, like diversity, like trying to get, you know, to expand the recruitment pool, for example, make sure that we're seeing representation across the board. Um, so yeah, I would say like generally, yeah. That's great. Do you have any advice for our listeners who are trying to navigate themselves to, uh, first of all, in their career or in um, sort of like interested in getting into data science field? Uh, yeah. So I think the first thing I would say is just kind of like be clear on what data role you're interested in. Um, there's a wide range of things that you can do with data. You can be a data engineer where you're more focused on like building like frameworks or, or like foundations for data versus being like an analytics person. So similar to what I'm doing now where it's not too technical, it's a good mix of like technical and like business strategy, or you might want to do like purely like ML data science. I think just having a clear like POV on to get how technical do you want to be? Like, what's the role that you want to have? Yeah. Um, it's definitely helpful I do, just to make sure that you're narrowing down your search to the right jobs. It's it's also fine to like do something broad if you're just going into the industry. Is like okay, like I'm not sure what I want. Um, I'm gonna do a little bit of of everything and then figure out to get like what is it that I'm interested in. Um, what other career advice? I I think also just like trying to stay on top of like what's going on yeah. in just like in the industry and stuff. Like I follow a couple of people on LinkedIn that who are just like data analysts, data scientists, whatever in their own field. And they post quite frequently on LinkedIn. And it's just, it's always good to just see like, oh, here's what they're doing. Or like, oh, here's a cool tip on how to do X, Y, Z. And I think that's also helpful. Um, I think also, I think one thing that maybe it's not, it's not like data specific, but I think just, Figure out your options if you have like immigrate if you get like immigration or like visa needs. I think like that plays a huge role in what happens to your, I guess, your career after school. And so like being mindful of 
what is it that I need if I wanted to continue working like in the UK, for example, or if I wanted to work in the US, like what are the needs that you have and making sure that yet like you're looking for companies that are able to help you with that. Um, I think that's, it's something that affects a, a lot of immigrants. It's just like, it's like you, ha you have to deal with it. And yeah. it's, to me, it only makes sense to like have that top of mind when you're choosing like where you want to work and what are your options. Um, and I think just generally being, uh, so one thing I guess is not necessarily like career specific is, so what I learned last year is that, um, like, I feel like it's very easy to go through life without having like clear goals. Mm. And then you look back and you realize that you've just kind of like skated through life. And there's not much to really like quantify, which is what I guess is very data, data-ish <laughs> Um, but like now what I just like I have very clear goals at the beginning of the year it's like this is what I want to do so that it's easy to look back and say like well I wanted to learn how to swim which is the goal of mine for this year and it's like I'm gonna learn how to swim this year right? so it's like just have to make sure like you have a plan of action yeah and then you can look back and be like I actually did this yeah. but like when you don't have things like clear like it's hard to actually say what happened over the course of a year because like so much time has gone by you lose track of things and so for me it's like I had a clear goal in this year to do xyz and that's the progress that I'm making I think to so be very intentional about like your life be that personal career wise I think it's always helpful yeah definitely I feel like um having at least sort of like idea about what your short-term goals and like long-term goals and yeah aligns with just the current situation as well because I totally understand your situation because I'm also needing like the visa work visa has always been uh yeah something that I've always been on my mind on your mind exactly yeah it's like I, straight after uni I need to get like a work visa uh, but now I knew that in the UK um, people can actually have like graduate visa so yeah, they can yeah. work here for the additional two years two uh, but years. that was not an option for me and and yeah, I was just like freaked out and then need to find a job at the time but like yeah now it's uh, getting better I, I, I would say but like having goals is one thing I think to keep up with it and stick yeah. with that that's another thing so yes. in terms of yeah. like for example you say that you you want to learn to swim <laughs> and uh, what is your plan of action then how do you track that um, sort of okay, like yeah. have like KPI I'm gonna do like you know like uh, five lessons this month and then like <laughs> something like that <laughs> Um, so I mean, so I got obsessed with Notion last year, uh, and so I have like a whole Notion track of all of my goals with swimming specifically. So currently, I have not started my swimming lessons. <laughs> I mean, by like in, in next like six months and see what progress I've made. Um, but I've done some research on like where can I get an instructor from, you know, like where can I do lessons. The reason that I kind of put it on hold was because I just felt it was too cold and I don't want to have to deal. Like mentally, I'm like, I don't want to do it with the cold. So I wanted to wait. <laughs> I wanted to wait until yeah. it's a bit warmer outside. Yeah. And then, um, but like I've always had, did you get looking into like instructors that I need, you know, like how many lessons do I need? And like, do you get like, how much is it going to cost? Like just trying to plan ahead so that when mm. it gets closer to the time, like I, I know like, here's who I'm going to look for. Yeah. But, you know, so yeah. Exactly. But I do think like it's like it's one thing to have a goal, but if you don't have a plan to actually meet yeah. the goal, then it's just you just have a goal and you didn't really do anything. But yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, yeah, you get started and by the time, you know, the weather gets better, then you have already, you know, everything that you've done research for and then you just need yeah. to make yourself to the to the swimming lesson. And, yeah. uh, and so now I feel like because I said this on the podcast, like I actually need to follow. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we, we, got, <laughs> we got a whole uh, count, uh, comfortable um so so yeah our listeners if you have any recommendations for uh, Vanessa for swimming yeah, lessons uh, please do share and uh, I'll share it back with her as well that and, would be great <laughs> I mean like yeah that's absolutely right when you mentioned that you need to have actionable sort of like plan of actions in order to achieve your goals and I think the last question would be do you have any sort of like uh, recommendations in terms of learning resources or like, you know, news or any podcast that you would like to share with our listeners? Very limited. I'm like, do I have, not too many, I think just, so for me, like, I think I just follow stuff on LinkedIn, like, they're just data scientists, so data people that I follow on LinkedIn that um, I just enjoy their content. So it's like, oh, I think it's it's not always like they're posting, like, like every day, like, here's a to-do or, like, here's a cool fact. It can just be like, oh, here's my day-to-day, like, you know, so I think personally, I just, I, I would say like, look for people that you know, are intrigued by their career trajectories, maybe on LinkedIn and follow them if they're active on LinkedIn and posting. Um, for, I guess for like technical skills-ish, I use Datacamp. Mm. Um, yeah, I use Datacamp. Um, I think that's, it's a, it, it, it's an easy way, I think, to pick up a lot of like, you know, Python, whatever skills that you need um but yeah I don't do too many podcasts currently I'm trying yeah another goal of mine this year is to is to listen to a lot more podcasts so if I do find like data ones that are interesting I can share later but yeah great maybe you will start your own podcast so maybe I start my own podcast <laughs> yeah to add into butter uh, butterfly tail as well so you never know anything can happen your book your podcast your blog and uh, your youtube channel and uh, about your swimming journey and yeah it's, it's we never know but that's it's been a pleasure for me to uh, to have a chat, this chat with you today. And thank you so much for your time. And uh, thank you for inviting me as well. Thank you. <laughs> it, was great, it was a great time.